Welcome to the Create a Relationship You Love Summit. I'm your host, Andrea Carella, and the benefits of this summit are to help couples create satisfying relationships and to communicate authentically with more harmony, understanding, and passion. Today, we have a very special guest. Her name is Katie Hendricks. Her and her husband, Gay Hendricks of the Hendricks Institute, have been married for over 30 years and have created a living laboratory for conscious loving. And today, we will be talking about conscious quantum loving. We will cover conscious loving techniques, the practice of presence, how to ramp up your emotional intelligence, how to get unstuck and stop blaming your partner so you can shift easily and effortlessly out of that pattern, and how couples can unwind their sexual fears and blocks so that they can create body bliss with their partner. Welcome to today's summit, Katie. It's wonderful having you on today. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate the quality of the questions that you've come up with too. Very interesting. Oh, great. Well, this should be a very fruitful conversation and I'm excited to have it with you. I know that you are an expert in conscious lovings. Can you share some conscious loving techniques that our audience can practice at home? Absolutely. I think that the the number one thing that people can do is to focus on recognizing the level of appreciation that they're expressing to their partners and to themselves right now, kind of get what the baseline is, and then make a commitment to increase that level of appreciation on a weekly basis. It's the number one thing that you can do to create relationship magic. And the qualities of appreciation are to really give your sensitive awareness to your partner. So appreciation isn't just saying nice things to your partner, although that's wonderful. It's really giving your complete awareness and attention to what your partner is experiencing. That is experienced as appreciation and is really uh, the number one way that you can create more intimacy. You can also customize your appreciation. So if you look at our new, new book, Conscious Loving Ever After, in the appendix we have lots of practices, including ones that we have on video that, that you can view. But there's one in there called, it's about customizing your appreciation so that you appreciate in a way that really fits for your mate. No, rather than the way that you might like to be appreciated. So, for example, some people like really private and intimate kinds of appreciations, and other people like big public celebrations. And uh, some people, like my husband, loves to be appreciated for something new he has created. He doesn't like to repeat himself. And so if I find something new that he's either learning or that he's mastered, and I appreciate that about him, that really makes a special connection for him. So I would say that would be a number one. And I'd say number two that is related to that is to recognize what researchers call your partner's bids for attention. In relationships that thrive, people respond to their partner's bids for attention. That is, I want your attention. You know, I, I just simply want your attention. They respond to those about 89% of the time. But in relationships that are not going to be working, those bids are responded to about 29% of the time. 
This is something that is a very high leverage item that really makes a huge difference because human beings require attention. So it isn't enough to just say, I live with you or I married you or I'm committed to you or can't you tell because I'm here. The the daily demonstration of I am giving you my full presence is the most powerful thing that you can do to really build not just a thriving relationship, but a relationship where both of you are continuing to feel more and more intimate with each other all the time. Mm, Absolutely. And what are some of those things that you do with your husband that help cultivate that conscious loving on a daily basis that stand out the most? Well, what we do, well, we, we started years ago with wanting to increase the level of our appreciation because we know that thriving relationships have at least a five to one ratio of appreciations to criticism. So one thing we did was eliminate criticism from our relationship. We made a commitment to do that. It took us several years to do that. Mm. I can't say we just jumped into it right away. But what we learned from that, we also put into a whole chapter in our new book uh, on how to create a no-blame relationship. And so instead blaming, what we do is really focus on not just appreciating each other, but we regularly ask each other a central question. Is there anything that I can do, say or do, that would make you feel more loved and treasured? We ask that of each other on really, you know, a weekly basis. And for many, many years, over 30 years now, we have meditated together every day and find it to be really, really valuable to have a time where we're sharing non-workspace with each other, where we're, we're really sharing essence with each other. So whether it's you meditate together or you put on some music, you're listening to each other, listening with that to each other, or whether you're breathing together, um, whether you're lying on a hammock together and just taking 10 minutes of of being together time. I think the being together that has nothing to do with the business of life, the business of the relationship or the business of your household is really, really key to creating conscious loving on a lifelong basis. The other thing that we really put an emphasis on is how can we support each other's creativity? So rather than working on our relationship, which we have not done for years and years, we're really looking at How can our love for each other really be a source of fuel for our own personal creativity and then our joint, our co-creativity? So we're always inventing new projects, whether that's what we're, you know, some new workshop that we're teaching, but also something we can be creating at home or learning something new together. So yesterday, for example, we went down to a nearby town, we went down to Ventura to learn a new kind of exercise program that we both did together. So you could take a dance class together, uh, you could go and uh, volunteer to clean up trash on, you know, in, a, in a, a local area or down at the beach or in some nearby forest. Uh, those kinds of things of putting your experience with each other uh, into action so that you're supporting the ripple impact of your relationship out into the world. I think that's really, really valuable and lets you know that your relationship can make a difference uh, in the world and help to create more conscious loving wherever you go. 
Mm, absolutely. And I think that that ripple effect really rings true for me that if we feel a sense of self-love and inner harmony and we cultivate that in our relationship, that can create a ripple effect in our home and in our community at large and in the world. And really, I think that that's the most important thing that we could leave on this planet. I agree. Yeah. Now, when I think about presence, I, I know that presence is key to connection in our relationships. And so what are some rituals that couples can practice to, in order to hold space for one another and be present with one another instead of all these distractions that can get in the way? Well, we actually have created uh, one structure that I think people are going to find incredibly valuable that we talk about in Conscious Loving Ever After, which is creating a time every week for what we call stuff talk, a 10-minute stuff talk and a 10-minute heart talk. And these rituals are incredibly valuable to give you the security of knowing that you're going to have time to handle things. One of the problems for people, both in long-term relationships, but also in any relationship, once it gets going, is that the routines and the business of life tend to leak out and contaminate the creation of intimacy and sharing of discoveries and sharing of feelings with each other. And so we handled that in a way that we found has been incredibly successful and we really recommend, which is to keep a list of the business items of your relationship, whether that's who's going to fix what, uh, you know, who's going to be picking up the dry cleaning, who's taking kids to, if you still have kids at home, who's going to be taking kids here and there. So the the who, what, when, and life of life, we keep a list of and we schedule a regular business meeting. And what was really took discipline was to keep the list and to, instead of sharing it in the moment, the, oh, the upstairs plumbing is broken again, you know, which is a real intimacy killer, uh, to keep that in the business meeting. And then what I found was that whenever Gay would say, hey, Katie, I would know that some he was going to share something with me that was going to add to the juiciness of our relationship rather than, hey, did you remember to go and get paper for the copy machine? Which is a real, ugh. <laughs> it's not so much of a fuel source. Right. So that was one thing that we did. And then the heart talk, which we have structured in the book so you can follow right along, gives people a chance to connect and then to share. We have a list of things to, to share about that would be a loose structure for you, but also a structure on which you could build your own kind of sharing. And these would be the things like, you know, what am I, you know, what am I sad about? What am I happy about? What you know, what am I still angry about? And it may not even be with your partner. It might be something that happened somewhere that you're still feeling and that you want to have the other person's really deep listening for. So those talks are really outlined in our book. But the other thing that we have, we have a chapter in our book on presencing. And I want to just condense that for you so that people who are listening can get the gist of this, that they can take into all of their interactions, but particularly for the stuff talk conversation and the heart talk conversation. There are three things that are really important for presencing. I would say, and there's a pre thing. The pre 
instruction is put your devices away. So no iPads, no phones, no computers, that you're really going person to person. And you can get a lot out of just a 10-minute conversation. So it's not something that you're you know, talking at each other and processing. You really are simply giving your full, undistracted attention. Now, what you do with your body is incredibly important. So what we found is that literally turning toward your partner so that you've brought your whole body into alignment with your partner so you're not going at cross angles with each other and that you open your body. So often people kind of fold up when they're in conversation. I think it's generally because people are scared and they've had a history of conversations devolving into criticisms and subtle or not so subtle attacks. And so if you open your body and you give yourself a few moments to find your easy, relaxed breath, those three things are very, very important and also things you can come back home to that will allow you to reestablish your presence. Turning toward opening up your body and relaxing your breathing sound very simple, but when you put the three of them together, they're very powerful for creating a gateway to deeper presence. Mm, absolutely. That's beautiful. And I, I think that is something that we need more and more in our day-to-day lives, especially with the go, go, go. So yes. thank you. Sure. Now, I know for myself, I remember reading a book about emotional intelligence. I I think I must have been about 15 years old and I was intrigued by it. And I remember just sulking it up and was wondering, can you elaborate on what emotional intelligence is and how couples can ramp up their emotional intelligence in their relationship so that they can thrive? Yes. Well, what we find is emotional intelligence is really grounded in what we call body intelligence, that the your emotional intelligence is really your ability to be with another person as they are feeling and to also be present for yourself so that you can recognize oh i'm feeling sad and i can see that you're feeling happy right now or i'm feeling i'm feeling really happy and i can see that you're feeling angry So very often in relationships, if one person is feeling something different than the other, one or the other of them thinks that they're wrong and that how can I feel happy if you're feeling sad? You know, how can I feel completely involved in my creative projects if you are not and you're feeling a little bit depleted on uh, the career end of things? And this seesaw of uh, up and down is something that people experience in their relationships. But when you are, you give curious attention to your own body sensations, to your own feelings, especially sadness, fear, and anger. Those are what we call the big three because those are the big blocks for most people to really feeling that flow of intimacy and deep connection and support of each other as you're moving through life together. And learning how to recognize the signals that you might be angry, the body sensations that might let you know that you're sad or that you're scared are really important. They're like your ABCs of emotional intelligence that allow you to not only love and appreciate your own feelings, but to be able to be present rather than 
moving away from or trying to control your partner's feelings. One of the things that we say is if your partner is feeling something, your job is to assist them to feel more. It's not to make them feel better or to make it go away. It's really to be there. One of the things we found is really important and valuable is to simply say, tell me more. When someone is experiencing something, rather than saying, oh, well, all you need to do is take a breath and you'll feel better, or, oh, there's nothing to be scared of, so just relax. Rather than saying that, if you practice your presencing, if you turn toward the other person, you open up your own body and you relax your breathing, you're going to bring your own emotional intelligence online because that is really served by you opening up the flow of your breathing, which allows you to be in touch with your body sensations. And then your body sensations are going to allow you to presence more, to be aware of your own feelings and your partner's feelings. So emotional intelligence can really be built. It's a skill. So if you don't think you were born with it, most of us weren't. And most of us also got sort of trained out of (laughs) being aware of our feelings because most people we found are pretty scared of their feelings. They haven't had much skill in how to be with them, how to communicate about them, and also how to listen to others. And we cover that all in our book. If people will practice the presencing, and really get curious about what is going on for them and what's going on for their partners, that's really a big step in the direction of feeling more resonance and more compatibility with emotional intelligence. Yes, because I I think it comes down to us being able to be vulnerable with ourselves and intimate with ourselves and intimate with another human being and be able to, to connect with one another on that level. I think it's really about letting, in a way, it's about letting your partner in. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that each of us can get more and more skilled at because most of the problems in relationship come from getting defensive. In thinking that or imagining that your partner is attacking you. But the other thing is, if I get scared, you suddenly look like the enemy. And that's something that's been wired in for thousands of years. So instead of thinking, hey, you are doing something that's bugging me, I think it's really important to look at, hmm, am am I scared right now? And to communicate that, even if you don't know what you're scared about, because when you just recognize, oh, I'm scared, suddenly the doors of intimacy open again and you can connect with your partner rather than seeing them as the, you know, the worst mistake you ever made. Right. And I think empathy is also the next step. Once we get intimate with ourselves, then we can have empathy for somebody else's vulnerability and emotional landscape so that you can actually ultimately find each other in the middle. Yes, you can find each other and also to appreciate that each of you may be feeling the same feeling, but you've learned how to experience it and express it in completely different ways, you know, depending on what kind of family you came from and whether the family was communicative or silent or whether people had secrets or, you know, were were very um, evocative and used a lot of body language. So all of those variables make our communicating of our feelings very different and something that we can learn to share with each other. So for example, uh, you know, Gay came from a family where his 
his aunts, they all lived on the same block. All of the family lived, all of his aunts and uncles basically lived on, on the same street. But his grandmother did not approve of the men that her daughters had chosen to marry, and so she wouldn't speak to them. And so all of the communication went through his aunts to the men. Now, that's a very complicated... Oh, yeah, that sounds dangerous. <laughs> and, and so learning how to let another person in to your own inner landscape is incredibly vulnerable. And I think it's one of the huge gifts that we can give to another human being is to say, I'm with you. I can appreciate how that must have been for you. I hear that you're feeling sad. Uh, wow, that sounds like it was really challenging. Or, whoa, what a big, oh, wow, that was a great win. I feel so happy to hear that. So the, the whole range of being able to share our lives' experiences with another person, that's just a, a treasure chest. Yes, and all the things that you describe sound like a beautiful friendship, really, ultimately. Yes, yes. How to be I a good friend to one another. Very, it's, you know, it's like friendship plus spark. Mm. Good combo. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, speaking of sparks, but different kinds of sparks, like couples can so easily get caught up in conflict or misunderstandings at times. And I'm wondering, how can those couples get unstuck and stop blaming and start shifting into more ease and effortlessness in their communication with one another so that they can understand each other better and get close again? Yeah, that is such an important thing because everybody gets stuck. And one of the things we talk about in all of our work is it doesn't matter if you get stuck. What matters is how quickly you notice that you're stuck and how many different ways you know to get unstuck. So you can get back in the game again, get back into connection again. So one of the big things that we've learned that I mentioned at the start of our talk together was to make a commitment to end blame and criticism. The blame and criticism are the number one relationship killers. And whether that comes in the tone of voice that you use, or whether it comes more in those nonverbal, the eye rolls, you know, the looking away, the shrugging, the ways that people express uh, criticism of each other are pretty customized. We learn how to do that with each other, and we can really get our partners better than anybody in the world. What we discovered and what we really recommend is that you end blame and criticism and that you make a, a solid commitment that is a wholehearted, whole body commitment to end blame and criticism. And then when you find yourself starting to criticize or blame, that you name it, that you say, oh, I, realize, I just can feel myself starting to want to blame you. Then take a breath and that we, what we recommend at that point is drop the words out and let yourself start just making some noises and gestures that whatever it is <laughs> that, fun. that matches what you're experiencing, but it's not loaded with those trigger words that we all know how to do. Mm -hmm. And we found that people can shift out of their blaming and criticizing and actually shift into having fun with each other really, really quickly. We also really love to have people develop their own specialized ways of 
shifting their body posture. One of the ways that we do that is asking people to take on each other's postures. So at any given moment, like if you feel like you're stuck, both of you are going to be stuck in a posture because we know now that the quickest way to change your mind is to change your body. So when you change your body posture, it's really hard to stay stuck. So we ask people to simply make a shift in their body posture, whether that's trying on their own, their partner's posture or opening something that's closed or getting up and walking around rather than and you know sitting with arms crossed those very simple body shifts will completely diffuse the blaming and the stuckness so that you can get resourceful again and move back toward understanding and closeness the big resource that i want people to know about how to go through what we call the fear melters, which is how to turn fear into flow, because we found that at the bottom of all instances of being stuck is this experience of fear that people don't realize. They think that they're angry, they think it's their partner's fault, but what's really going on is they're scared and they're stuck inside of that perspective and can't get out of it. So the fear melters are designed to get you out of that. And if you go to our website, which is Hendrix, H-E-N-D-R-I-C-K-S dot com, and go to the relationship banner, click on that. At the bottom of the page are the new videos from the processes in our book, Conscious Loving Ever After, from Fear to Flow, How to Use the Fear Melters. And it will take you step by step with me working with a couple. So you'll get to see how does this actually work with a relationship, not just going through an activity, but here's how to put it into action in your relationship. And I think people will find it incredibly uh, useful, learning how to shift from fear to flow in any moment so that you um, can get back on track with all of your resourcefulness and all of the skill that you can build with each other rather than recycling problems over and over again. Oh, yes, absolutely. That's so helpful. My last question is actually around sex and also ties in with fears. And I'm curious, how can couples unwind their sexual fears and blocks so that they can create body bliss in their relationship? Oh, such a wonderful question. And what we've also found is that sex can keep getting better and better. So I just want to let people know that. that, And there's also recent research that's come out that people who've been in long-term relationships have the same, who still really love each other, have the same brain scans as couples who are newly in love. Our ability, the mythology, you know, that that love, you, you have this peak and then it just keeps getting sort of downhill from there is not true. That you can keep evolving your experience of enjoyment, of creativity with each other, and especially of sexual enjoyment. There are two things. I wanted to have people know that the the from fear to flow would be very valuable for you if you're having any kind of sexual misalignment right now or you're you know feeling sort of an impasse in the bedroom that it's it's not just about sexual fear. It's usually we think it's about sexual fear, but it's generally about the fear. I think that there's something that's basically unlovable about me. I think that there's something that if you find out about it, you're not going to love me anymore. And 
really uncovering that and being able to share with each other more and more deeply about what is really authentic to you. Authenticity is the biggest, I say, is the best aphrodisiac on the planet. Anything that you can say that is unarguable, even if it's something like, uh, I'm feeling scared right now because I, I realized, you know, I was looking down and I see that my belly has gotten bigger and I'm afraid that you're not going to like somebody with a big belly. You know, something that may seem that it doesn't have anything to do with sex is often the gateway to having much, much more wonderful sex together. The, uh, a couple of other things that make a really, really big difference is letting yourself breathe toward your sensations. What happens when we're feeling fear is that we breathe away from our actual physical sensations and generally being, bring sensations up in our body rather than down, you know, down through the pelvis, down through all of our connections that we experience with each other. So as you deliberately let yourself breathe toward your sensations and you let yourself move, so breathing and moving, and not just in any kind of mechanical way, you know, the, the kinds of routines that people get into, but you let yourself move the way that you're feeling your body want to be moving. That kind of spontaneity makes a huge difference in your sexual experience with each other, that you're not just going through the motions over and over again. So the combination of letting yourself breathe toward, letting yourself share something that's really authentic for you, even if it feels awkward, you don't quite know how to do it, you don't feel very skilled at it, your partner will really respond to your authenticity and to your intention to connect. And those are things that you can really build on. We have a whole chapter on this called The Best Sex Ever in our book, Conscious Loving Ever After. And it contains all of the best recommendations that we've got and uh, share some of the experiences of couples who've used these processes and techniques with each other. So I recommend that people dive into that chapter for more information. Mm, absolutely. I, I know in working with couples, they're are those several blocks that self-esteem or body image issue, if there's been trauma, if there are emotional hurts that are unresolved in the relationship, if people are distracted or stuck in their mind and not connecting to their body. So I think all of those ways that we can help connect with our with our body, with our essence, with our uh, sensuality, being able to to work on those pieces of, of self-esteem and body image and, and that authentic conversation with our partner can really bring us together in that, um, in that process. So I thank agree, you. And I appreciate the summary because I, I have found also that those are the areas of most concern for people when there is any kind of, of sexual tension. And I've also found almost everybody has some kind of wounding, you know, whether it's sexual or emotional or, you know, some kind of emotional abuse or, you know, something that that they hold in their bodies. And it's one way that we can really be with each other and continue to love each other as we're journeying through life that we keep finding the 
that we can discover more and more together. We can share more of ourselves with each other. And I think that's one of one of the great sources of bliss is to have somebody to share with. Absolutely. And even thinking about some of our belief systems around sex and sexuality and intimacy, whether it comes from a religious background that or family of origin background that could block or prevent us from feeling more fluid and open in that in that way and being able to move through those so that they don't imprison us is yes. is really important. Yeah, very good point. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I think it's been very valuable. And I know that probably a lot of people on the call would like to stay connected to you, or I know that you are you have a free gift that people can access on your website. Um, would you like to share a little bit about what that's, that is so that people can connect to you? Was definitely to let people know that we have a We have a Facebook page that has daily relationship tips. It has videos, and it's a way that you can stay connected with us. So if you go to Facebook slash Relationship Advice or Facebook slash Hearts in Harmony, you'll find our our Facebook page. And our website has lots, our Hendrix.com website has on our relationship section has something called free stuff and it's a whole section of videos uh, and different um, processes that you can integrate into your relationship. So I definitely want people to use those and to continue to let us know what they would like to hear about on our Facebook page because we often we respond to uh, when people ask for particular kinds of tips or advice or some theme that they would like us to share. We also have newsletters that uh, come out uh, daily for that people can subscribe to. Well, great. Well, thank you so much. This was such a, a lovely conversation, Katie. I really enjoyed it. Well, thank you very much. And thank you for what you're doing and being in the world. Oh, thank you. Now, I'm your host, Andrea Carella with True Potential Counseling. And just to recap what amazing things we covered on today's show, we learned some conscious loving techniques that we can practice with our partner, how to maintain presence by incorporating rituals in our day-to-day life to hold space for one another, what is emotional intelligence and how to ramp up our emotional intelligence in our relationship how to get unstuck when we are in conflict or in misunderstanding with our partner so that we can get close and connected once again, as well as unwinding from sexual fears and blocks so we can reconnect with our body bliss. Stay tuned tomorrow. Check your inbox for our next interview in the Creator Relationship You Love Summit series. We have a great repertoire and list of interviewees that are coming up as well as ones that you've already listened to. So we can't wait to continue to connect with you during this summit. Thank you.